The following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Crosby, Texas. For more information or to help support our ministries, please visit us online at fbccrosby.org. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity. This incredible gift. Time for this faith family to gather together and just slow down for a minute. Life is busy and it is loud. And oftentimes, Father, it can stretch our faith to to the very limits. So we thank you for these times when we can gather together and sing praises to you, when we can sit under the teaching of your word, when we can observe the ordinances, these means by which you nourish and strengthen, encourage, bless us, as you impart your grace into our lives and then send us out to continue carrying on as a light in this dark world. Father, there's something particular about this time of year as we stare down the Advent season. Life gets a whole lot noisier, a whole lot faster, a whole lot busier. So, Father, as we anticipate that time, would you prepare our hearts now? Father, we want to think right thoughts. We want to say true things. We want to live lives of holiness with great anticipation. Looking backwards to the first advent of Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, and looking forward to the second. Father, we long for that day. So we ask, Father, that as we come to your word now, you would speak to us through it. You would show us things we hadn't yet seen. That you would build us up, that you would encourage us that we would leave this place changed. Father, we love you. We trust you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I told you this morning, my words tonight are going to be fairly brief. Brady Harlan asked me, how brief? I said, my brief, not your brief. But there really is... There really is lots that can swirl around in our minds this time of year. We come upon the Advent season and we start thinking about Christmas. I haven't forgotten about Thanksgiving. It's coming up sooner. But as we we look past that and we look towards Christmas, it's very easy to get distracted. And so the easy church kid answer is, Christmas is all about Christ. Just think about Christ. We get mad when we go to Starbucks and they tell you happy holidays. We get mad when someone signs a postcard and they write Xmas instead of Christmas and don't take the Christ out of Christmas. We look at our kids and we tell them Christmas isn't all about gifts and it isn't all about Santa Claus and it isn't all about our stockings and all that you're going to get this season. It isn't even about the meals and about the time with our family. So just think about Jesus, won't you? But what do we think about him? I was thinking about a picture of Jesus I saw in the preschool wing one time. I think about a sweet guy holding babies and petting little lambs. 
Do I think about the Jesus that's turning over tables and making a whip of cords and chasing people out? Do I think of the Jesus that tells men that they're children of the devil? Do I think about Jesus that's going out and sharing the gospel and sowing seeds? Do I think about Jesus that's standing before Pilate? Do I think about Jesus that's up upon a cross? Do I think about Jesus as he raises again? Do I just think about Jesus in a little manger? Because that's really where our minds most often go. Just a little baby, helpless little baby. We know there's something special about him. We know that he's the son of God. What's that mean? We're we supposed to think about that. The son of God has come as a baby? So if we're not careful, what happens is we've just branded Santa Claus Jesus. We've just taken the same faulty thoughts, the same empty traditions, the same observances, and we've just thrown the name Jesus Christ on it, and therefore we're Christian, and we're better than all our neighbors. Throw a little bit of money in the box for Lottie Moon, and bingo, bango, we're good. So my hope for us as we approach this Advent season is that we can align our hearts and align our minds to think right thoughts about who this Jesus is and why he came. What was the purpose? The word Advent means coming. What was the purpose for Jesus Christ coming? How did he come and how did he accomplish that purpose? We're not going to be able to cover all that tonight. Of course not. Not this sermon is going to be brief. But it seemed to me as we talked about this as a staff, well, how do we do this? What's the clearest and best way to do this? And of course, we bring in the table. We recognize that this child was born to die. We dedicated a precious baby today. We prayed over her. We asked her parents to make some commitments to God. I asked you to make some commitments to God, and they're not fools. They know someday that sweet little baby's going to grow old and die. But that's not the first thing on their mind. As the doctor looked at them and said, it's a little girl, and they cut the cord, and she held her, held, held her precious child, and she let out those first cries. Her first thoughts weren't, you've been born to die. And those that came to visit her didn't give her gifts of death, gifts for her caring of her body after her death. Yet that's exactly why Jesus Christ came. He came to die. So it seemed right that we would observe the, the Lord's Supper. We would commemorate his death. We would celebrate his resurrection. We would look forward to that second advent. It's an opportunity for us each year to, to kind of align our hearts as we as we walk through a, a, a symbolic picture of all that the people of God had walked through for thousands of years, how long had they waited for the Christ? We don't just go back to King David. We don't just go back to Moses. We don't even just go back to Father Abraham. We go all the way back to the garden. We go back to Genesis 3 and the fall of man. We go all the way back to that point when man sealed his fate before God. When the God of the universe had made him a commandment. Do not reach out your hand and take of that tree. For the, the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. And of course, because we're fools, because men are rebellious, because we do not like to submit to the God of the universe, because we are constantly suppressing the truth of all that he is, man took out his hand, he ate of that fruit, and yet God was right there, covering his nakedness and making a promise. I will send forth one, a son of a woman, and this one will crush the head of the serpent. Adam, everything that you just did in this moment, it will be undone. And for thousands of years, God's people waited for that day. For hundreds of years, prophets spoke about that day. They searched the scriptures. 
They sought to know the mind of God. When will this one come? All their hopes were in this. All their dreams, all that they knew they needed. And yet the longer they waited, the more it got twisted in their head. You see, when God calls man to wait on him, when God calls man to rest in his promises, when God tells man, I am your only hope and your only answer and only I can solve this problem, what man more often than not does is he takes it into his own hands and tries to fix it. He tries to take control. He tries to manufacture the salvation that he gets tired of waiting on. And so we look back to the Old Testament and we see all the faulty ways by which man tried to understand who is this promised one? Who will the Messiah be? And so we take time this during this season, during this Advent season, we take time to put ourselves back in that place and, and walk through symbolically this time of waiting, this time of waiting the coming Messiah, the coming Christ. Well, at the same time, we look forward to that second coming. Dear friends, are you tired of waiting? How many times have you woke up to an achy back? How many times have you walked away from a fight with your spouse? How many times have you looked at your empty bank account? How many times have you looked at your rebellious children? How many times have you looked at the state of this world and thought, come, Lord Jesus, come? I'm tired of waiting. I long to see your face. I want to see you make all things right. So, dear friends, I pray that as we walk through this season together, that you don't grow weary of waiting and that you don't dare try to take things into your own hands. You can't make things right. So why? I told you we need to think the right thoughts about Jesus. We need to think the right thoughts about why Jesus Christ came. Why did Jesus come? Well, thankfully he tells us. So I ask you to stand to your feet, please. The reverence to reading of God's word. We're gonna return to a, a passage of scripture we touched on this morning. We're gonna be in John chapter 18. I intentionally skipped a passage there in the middle. You remember that Jesus is before Pilate? He's in the middle of this interview, trying to find out what, is, what have you done? Why have your people handed you over to me? Are you really the king of the Jews? And then we come in John's gospel, chapter 18, beginning in verse 36. This is the word of God. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice and Pilate said to him what is truth all God's people said amen you may be seated father God yet again we ask you to do what only you can do help us to see your son the truth it's in his name we pray amen so again, you'll remember where we are. Jesus has been drug in by the religious leadership. They take him before Pilate. They don't want to give an answer for why he's there. Pilate asks, what has this man done? And then, then they trump up some charges. He's, he's trying to lead a rebellion. He's trying to mislead our people. He's telling them that they can't give tribute to Caesar, telling them that he can't pay his taxes. Oh, and by the way, he says that he's Christ, a king. Pilate looks to Jesus and He's not going to utter a word to these other blasphemies, these other lies. He doesn't need to. His intention, like a sheep being led to slaughter, is to keep his mouth shut, that he may then lay down his life, but he will answer to his, to his identity. He will make clear that, yes, it is exactly as you have said, I am a king. And yet I'm not a king like you think, Pilate. I'm not the kind of king that comes swinging a sword. I'm not a kind of king that comes building an army. I'm not a king that's after your money. I'm not a king that's after your land. I am an eternal king, 
A king that brings in the kingdom of God, a heavenly kingdom, an eternal kingdom, a king that is ruling and reigning in the hearts of my followers as I sow the seed of this gospel. And so Pilate's response that I skipped over this morning is, so you are a king. Jesus answered him, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. See his humanity. And for this purpose I have come in to the world. See his divinity. This one who was born, this one who was born to a virgin, this one who came in a human body just like yours and just like mine. On that night, there was an umbilical cord and it had to be cut. On that night, there was a precious baby that was cold and he had to be wrapped up. On that night, there was a child and he had to nurse from his mother in order to live. And as that boy grew older, he had to learn things. The God of the universe, the infinite son of God, he had to learn arithmetic and reading and writing and he had to submit to his parents and yet we see that he has a fully human mind one that grows in understanding in addition to this we see that he had a he had a fully human will we see this back in the garden of gethsemane as he cries out to his father father not your will but mine be done we see that he had fully human emotions he cried and he was angry and he was and he was excited and elated and happy at times we see that this man was fully man this wasn't a farce this wasn't, a, this wasn't a pretend. This wasn't just God coming and putting on a flesh suit. This was the son of God coming and taking upon himself all that it means to be a man. He was truly born. For this is why I was born. And yet that was not the moment of creation. Because dear friends, this one was not created. He says, and for this reason I've come into the world. There was a time when I was not in this world. In fact, if you go back to the beginning of this gospel, you hear John saying the words, that in the beginning was the word, speaking of Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, the eternal son of God, that everything we say about God, we say of Jesus Christ our Lord, walking on water, healing the dead, excuse me, raising the dead, healing sick people, even the forgiveness of sins. This one that would say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. This one that is the exact imprint the perfect, radiant glory of the Father, that all that means to be God we see in this one, perfectly come together in one person. There weren't two Jesuses. Technically, there was a bunch of Jesuses, but there weren't two Jesus Christ our Lord in one person, fully God and fully man. This wasn't some hyped up humanity. It wasn't some divine humanity, and it wasn't some dumbed down divinity. It wasn't as if he lost any of the attributes that made him God. It wasn't if he lost any of the attributes that made him man. And yet in this one person, Jesus Christ our Lord, we see the fullness of both. For this reason I was born and for this reason I have come into the world. Dear friends, you must know that this was a necessity. It was necessary for Jesus to be fully man. It was necessary for Jesus to be fully God because only man could stand in the place of man. Only man could represent man in the fulfilling of all that God demanded in his law. Only man could stand in the place of man and dying in the place of sinners. Only man was meant to sit upon the throne and rule over all of creation. Only man could set a perfect example for us. Only man could be a perfect intercessor, intercessor between us and God. But only God could bear the wrath of God. Only God was a worthy sacrifice. Only God could bear up under his infinite wrath. He had to be fully God. Salvation comes from the Lord. So we see in this one, we see in this one this perfect picture of why he had to come. Fully God and fully man. See the weight of your sin, dear friends. 
We don't sit around at Christmas and look at the Christmas tree. We don't open the presents and say, surprise, congratulations, we're celebrating that your sin was so bad, the Son of God had to be born of a woman and die. And yet that's what we celebrate. Many men, they like to look to the Son of God. They like to look to the Christ, and they say, look how much you're worth, and this is true, and this is good. Dear friends, you are loved by God, so much so that he sent his only begotten Son to die in your stead. So much so that he allowed him to be born of a virgin, to live as a poor man, to be abandoned by all his friends, to be whooped and, bit and, and beaten and spit upon and mocked. Dear friends, you are loved dearly. But do not merely see how much you are loved. See the depth of your sin. It took the death of God's own son to pardon your sin. So we see here the, the picture, the picture of the fullness of what it means for Jesus Christ to come, fully God and fully man. But he says, but this is the purpose. Was his purpose to die? Of course. Elsewhere he says that his purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. We know that he's come to save sinners. We know that he's come to save souls. We know that he's come to call a people. We know that he's come ultimately to to glorify his father. And yet what he says here is for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. That's the purpose. He would say that I am the truth. I am the truth, the very essence of truth. The only way that you will know truth is in me. But why? If that's, the, if that's the purpose here, why must God send his son? Had not God spoken truth through other prophets? Had not God spoken, tr- spoken truth through his word leading up to this point? Was God lying at other places? Was he not speaking the truth through the prophets of old? Was he not speaking the truth to Moses upon the mountain? Was he not speaking the truth through the law? Was he not speaking the truth through the sacrifices? Was he not speaking the truth in all the years up to this point as he spoke to his people? Dear friends, there must be some truth that could only be spoken through his son. Do you understand? There must be something that can be gained. There must be some picture of truth that can only be seen in the face of God's only begotten son. The apostle Peter seems to be speaking about this. As you go back to his first letter, 1 Peter 1, and verse 10. Peter has just told the people about their salvation, about the hope that comes in their salvation, about clinging on to this salvation, about the blessing of living in this salvation. And then he says this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating that he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. He's saying for years of old, prophet after prophet after prophet they searched the scriptures they sought the spirit of God and they thought who is this one who is this Christ who is this son of woman that's going to crush the head of the serpent when will he come and through these men God made clear this one that will come he must suffer glory comes on the backside of suffering but it's always suffering before glory never the other way around and so they searched the scriptures and they searched the will of God and they searched the spirit of God to wait for this day. They longed for this day. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. It was revealed to them that they were preparing a day that comes in your time. Something that we now enjoy on the backside of the cross, on the backside of the first advent. As we look back to the face of Jesus Christ, seeing more clearly the thing that they longed to see. Seeing the thing that they prophesied about, that they searched the scriptures for. They recognized that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Dear friends, you have no idea the blessing that it comes with being born in this time, in this age, in this day, on this side of the advent. These men longed for this day. 
They prayed for this day. They would have given anything to be alive in this day where you have the gospel preached by, by God-called men. We have the word of God in your hands where you could see the face of Jesus Christ. And you could see this is the picture of truth. What these men didn't understand was that God would come himself. How many religions out there in the world, they think that their purpose is to get to God. If I can only figure out a way to get back to God, I've got to scramble my way back to God. I know I've messed it up. I know I've separated myself from him, but I've got to find my way back to him. Never in a million, million years would man have contemplated in his mind, no, God's coming to me. And yet here he is, the son of God and in the flesh. Now look, maybe I can contemplate the son of God coming and putting on a flesh suit, like fully God just inside of a meat suit. That's what the incarnation means. The middle, the middle term there, right? And, and, and incarnation, it's, it's, it's meat, it's flesh. That's what it talks about, God becoming flesh. But it's more than just meat. It's more than just skin and hair. It's more than just muscle. Now, I can possibly reason with that. I can possibly make sense with that. If the Son of God would come and just put on a suit of, of man, come in the appearance of man, come to present himself as man, but to fully take upon himself all that it means to be lowly man, weak man, dishonorable man, and yet to bear up perfectly under the weight of the law, never once sinning, perfectly fulfilling his Father's law, and then to lay down his life. No one would imagine such a thing. And yet that's exactly what God had been preparing his people for. That's the truth that could not be seen until the coming of Jesus Christ. Dear friends, that's the truth. That's what we come to celebrate. He goes on to say, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. You notice he, he says of the truth. That's a, that's a peculiar phrasing there, isn't it? He doesn't say everyone who knows the truth. He doesn't say everyone who confesses the truth. He doesn't say everyone who can recite the truth. He says everyone who is of the truth. This is a picture of being born. Everyone who is of Josh sits in the middle row. They're pretty little girls right there. Everyone who is of the truth, those who are born of the truth, those who belong to the truth, those who have found their life in the truth, they hear my voice. Go back to John chapter 10 and you hear Jesus talking about his sheep. You will know my sheep because they're going to hear my voice. They're going to follow me everywhere that I go. I will lay down my life for my sheep. You know how you know when someone's not a sheep? They don't listen to his voice. They don't listen to the truth. They make up their own truth. And he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then what is Pilate's response? What's truth? This was not a sincere inquiry. This was not a man desperate to hear the truth about who Jesus Christ was. This was postmodernism before it was cool. What's truth? Your truth, my truth, what do I care? You'll notice that just after this, and I don't want to preach next week's sermon because I promised Brady we would get out of here, but just after this, he comes out to the people and he says, I find no guilt in this man. And then he flogs him and puts him to death. The difference recognizing the person of Jesus Christ, that's just the beginning. Wrapping your mind around this truth that is revealed, the truth of God, the truth of salvation, the truth that we desperately need in his son, Jesus Christ, that's just the tip of the iceberg. The question is, are you of the truth? Do you embrace this truth? Do you live in this truth? Do you worship from this truth? Is that what drives your life? Do you wake up tomorrow saying, I find my life in this truth that the son of God came and he loved me so much he gave his life? That my sin is so wretched that it took the death of the son of God to make me right with him. And rather than in power and glory, he is risen. He will come back someday soon. Dear friends, that's where we must align our hearts. 
That's what this Advent season is all about. That's what we must celebrate when we look to the precious baby in the manger. When we look to our kids and we tell them, just think about Christ. We must make sure we're doing everything in our power to direct their minds and their hearts here. To show them the truth. To call them to live in the truth. To call them to be of the truth and to respond to the voice of Jesus Christ. That's what we aim to do tonight. Father God, we praise you. We praise you and we thank you. Thank you for the truth. Your son who is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we thank you that through him, through this way, you have called us to salvation. We thank you for what we come to celebrate tonight. We do pray that you would align our hearts, that you would rightly and truly prepare us for this Christmas season as we await the second advent, that we would live with great hope and anticipation and confidence that Jesus Christ will come. Father, I pray your blessing on these people. I pray you prepare our hearts for this table now. Father, we love you. We trust you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.